You're listening to Two Sides of Phi, a podcast that follows two lifelong friends as they seek financial independence and to retire early. I'm Eric, and I'm joined by my friend Jason, who reached Phi in 2020. And this is our story. Jason here with Two Sides of Phi. In this episode, Eric and I are joined by my friend, Amy Manning. Amy is a retirement specialist and a career benefits professional. So today we're going to be talking about healthcare and many people who are earlier on their fire trajectory or who have always only had employer sponsored insurance may be wondering why to make such a big deal about this. But those of us who have been towing this road for a while or who are now post fire, it's a very real thing. And let me just put some dollars on it for myself. Paying my health care out of pocket in the U.S. is my second highest expense every month, mm. and it's not much less than my mortgage. Wow. So <laughs> it's a very real and important aspect, but if you plan for it, if you understand the landscape and your retirement budget is set up to accommodate it, it's an expense just like anything else. But it is one that is of such high importance that you really want to get it right. And so our goal here is really to just add some information to that so that you can be that much better prepared. The funny thing too about it is that it's not, you know, like your mortgage is generally a fixed cost. Like yeah. this is something that's going to change potentially based on whatever your income was the prior year. If you're a business owner like me and your income fluctuates from year to year, it's going to change based on like the level of service you want or, you know, what whatever your premiums are going to increase. Like there's so many unknowns that it feels really difficult to pin down. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and Eric, I'll be honest, particularly later in my career, once I had reached a certain level of achievement. I was selecting some of the best healthcare options available yeah. to me because my employer was paying the lion's share of the totally. cost. Yeah. So even if it was, let's say, $300 a pay period for this gold level plan, well, I wasn't really thinking about it because it was just an expense. It was a few hundred dollars. And, you know, I had surgery a year ago that when I saw the bills coming in that somebody was going to have to pay, right, <laughs> those could be $90,000. Yeah. But I didn't pay anything like that because it's easy to to miss how vital of a topic this is. But when you have to pay for it yourself, it's essential that you understand it and that you are making informed choices that are going to benefit you and your family. Yeah, totally. I've worked in HR for all of my career. I've worked on all sorts of retirement programs, including pension plans and savings plans, which <laughs> is your 401k plan, all the way to uh, executive programs, that type of thing. Amazing. Okay. So you have way more experience with this stuff th than we do. And uh, I'm just full of questions about, as I am pre-FI, Jason's obviously, he's made it to FI already. Um, and we, we end up talking a lot and, uh, and focusing a lot, I think, on subjects that aren't really related to, to like health insurance, healthcare, because we're relatively healthy at our age. Um, we may have had circumstances with our parents or family members where we kind of brush up against that. But Healthcare, especially with respect to cost and all the options that are available, uh, insurance, like it just seems like this kind of intractable problem. And so I'm hoping that you can help us kind of decode this a little bit. 
Well, if I could do that, um, I would be very successful in, in all of my endeavors. So I will add what I can. Okay. Um, and if anything else, I'll, I'll make you feel not so alone in that battle of trying to figure it out. So you're confused too? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's a confusing market, right? Listen, yeah. there are no rights or wrongs. There's lots of individual answers and things to look at, which is the worst thing to be told if you're looking for, just tell me what to do, right? right? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. That's what I was hoping for. So what I mean, nope. what do you find are the co most common kind of misunderstandings um, that when you're talking to people about kind of health insurance, purchasing health insurance? Yeah, well, the worst thing that ever happened to health insurance was the HMOs out in California, right? Because they made everybody feel like it was a club, right? You just went to the doctor, you paid your $10, and you were healthy. And you liked everybody you talked with, and the medical care was great. And that all worked really well for about 10 years on a small scale. But it never worked well on a large scale or for a long period of time because of changes in medicine and changes in how you're getting paid, all those types of things. So what happens is people come at insurance like it's a club. I'm in the club. I want it all to work perfectly. And I want to pay $10. And that's just not a re real expectation. There are lots of different designs for how you can access medical care. The, the real key is not all medical care is created equal. So pay attention to where you go and why you're going there. And not all medical coverage is created equal. So make sure you know what you like, what matters to you, and focus on those kinds of programs. So how would I go about figuring that out? You know, some some things you can just know as the kind of person you are. Right. You can tell just by the few minutes we've talked, I'm pretty opinionated. <laughs> if I don't think a doctor's listening to me, I'm going to change my doctor. So for me, it's very important to have choice, to have right. access to anybody I want to go see for uh -huh. whatever I want to go see and to be comfortable with that. Now, I pay a premium for that and I pay it for myself and for my family and I have to plan on always paying that uh, as long as I have choices and I have to set my expectations when I get to be 65, I'm not going to be able to do so much of that as I do now uh -huh. because the medical programs change and you have less of that kind of choice. So, so, so I, it's, it's about who you are and what, what's important to you. How often does someone like you then reevaluate like your insurance, is it a yearly thing? Is it every other year or is it just like life events? Like I imagine, I mean, for people who are entering FI, um, that's a pretty big transition, right? So that's an obvious point to reevaluate. But once we're there, someone in Jason's position, like what is it every year you're, you would expect to do that? Or what's your advice? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't think you have to do it that much because okay. if you know what you want, you know what works for you, that really doesn't change that often. The things that will change are things that are outside of your control, your premium, right. your carrier, your, um, you know, if you're outside of the U.S., some of the government coverages might change and you might need to buy up to get something where you didn't need to before. Okay. So it, it's usually outside action that will trigger you to have to look at it. Okay. Um, there can be things like if you're becoming a single person, right? So if you lost a partner through death or divorce or however, sure. and you know that you have a very different access than what your partner did, that's a good time to take a look and see if you wanna make a big change. Um, but otherwise, those things that are important to you are, are really gonna stay consistent.
What are some of the common misunderstandings that people have about healthcare when they're sort of exiting a work, you know, a uh, employer-based plan? Yeah, so there's there's a couple of things on that. If you're exiting, you know, at a at a age where you're still viable doing a lot of things and you're out there and just trying to get something off of the the networks, which is, you know, in the states either the um, ACA programs that are run by each state or you can get, you know, private coverages. It's really just price and how those different aspects figure into the price, right? So if I want an open network, how much more does that cost? And if I go to a closed network, which is like a, a PPO kind of plan. Um, so so those are really the, the biggest changes. Then the specific things about deadlines. Lots of people always thought, and you may remember from your working days, that you were you had a finite period of time that we told you you can enroll. Right. Those aren't company rules. Those are tax rules, right? So mm -hmm. you will find that the U.S. and they have your you have you still have an enrollment period, and you have to fit in that enrollment period. And they do not play games. There is no getting in outside of those periods. So the the deadlines are real, and the price impact are the biggest items for people who are just leaving the workforce. I was wondering for the folks who are, yeah, go about, ahead. I, just to speak to that open enrollment is open enrollment period, right? That's, that's the yep. term I, so, so open enrollment and enrollment. Yeah. <laughs> is, is there, um, is there an exception for like, I always thought there was an exception for like a life event, like, okay, my spouse lost their job, for example, qualifying life events, like, is, is qualifying there life events, you generally get 31 days from a qualifying life event, which is oh. having a baby, getting married, losing a spouse, losing a job or coverage for things like that. And the, uh, the government will give you the same, same ones, but okay. there are no, um, exceptions for, you know, I had a baby, but I was offline for three months after that because of other things. You, you still, you still right. miss that deadline. And so you will have a big hole in your coverage. Does retirement so are, count as, as one of those like qualifying events or no? Retirement could count because you would probably okay. lose the coverage you're on. So you'd have to, to, to switch. So if you are losing your active coverage at work, then it would be a life event. That's also important for, and here's my, um, public service section for folks in the US for Medicare. Anytime you become eligible for Medicare, you must take Medicare A and B. I tell people, Jason will tell you this at cocktail parties, I don't care if it's 20 years out or six months out, write it down. The government does not give any leeway. You must take A and B. And inevitably, a couple of times a year, someone will say, oh, I didn't choose B, it was a buy up, I didn't need it. You need it. It's, it's every single retiree plan you ever sign up for will assume they pay, the government will pay A and B. And if you don't take it, you will have penalties for the rest of your life on medical. Okay, so, you totally just, you lost me. <laughs> and, and All you have to remember is sign up for A and B. But okay, so like maybe this fits into that like, there are so many things as I approach Phi and I'm talking to Jason and he's like insurance, this and insurance that. And I'm like, Oh no. Like what are, what are some of the hard like deadlines? Like when I think Medicare, I think, Oh, that's, that's for when I'm 65. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. That's for when you're 65 and you will barely remember anything except for, I will scare you enough with this conversation <laughs> that you'll say some crazy redheaded lady said something about A and B. So just whatever that is, sign me up. That's all you need to do. Okay. Um, it does. Some folks who work past 65, um, they have to sign up right when they leave. 
as uh, soon as they lose active coverage. So as soon as they leave, they have to get in touch with the government and sign up for A and B. You have an older spouse and your spouse becomes 65 and they're not on your coverage. They have to sign up for A and B. Okay. So you'll get into all those other, you know, AARP will start sending you things. Again, this is very U.S. centric, but they'll start sending you reminders and telling you you can enroll in their programs. By the way, they have a very nice program. So definitely keep that out as an option. <laughs> um, but nobody, nobody can help you. Even the power of AARP cannot help you if you do not take A and B when so, you're eligible first. So it's a one and done. Like you can't go back and re reverse that decision. You can go back okay. in, but they will they will charge you a penalty for the rest of your life, and you'll have a hole for the period, and it could be up to a year, and <laughs> okay. that is going to be some big costs. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So and. It, is B is the difference between A and B not to get too technical here, but just for my own edification, A and yeah. B is like one is health coverage and another is prescription drug coverage, or is there some other so nuance to prescription it? Prescription drug is actually D, D. which oh, D. D, we, we love D actually, we like D a lot. So that's fine. But no, A and B is the difference between a doctor's visit and a hospital visit. Oh. And so they can really um, meld back and forth. Cause you see the doctor in the hospital and all right, those sure. kinds of things. But if you don't take B, right, so A is really the hospital, B is the doctor's portion, you will have a big hole in coverage for okay. that period of time. Wow. Oh, thanks for just making it more complicated. Uh, Appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> don't, yeah, that's all you have to remember. Everything else you can fix. That's okay. the one you can. Much of our audience are people considering early retirement. And so they're going to keep in mind what you've just said about Medicare, but they also know they're going to have a number of years, in my case, 17 years from now where I'll be eligible for Medicare. So I think it'd be helpful to review in brief, what are the options for an early retiree in terms mm -hmm. of getting healthcare coverage in the U.S.? Yeah, and, and in the U.S., they really are dominated by the um, the ACA, so the uh, or Obamacare, if you like the like the name, which I, I, I wouldn't mind having it named after me. I think it's a pretty awesome program. Right. Um, <laughs> and those are really designed to work well with each state's state program, right? So it it will meld in with what they offer through other kind of um, family programs and things like that. So some of the limits, some of the designs, and some of the carriers all utilize what the states already are using for that. So that's why you'll see lots of different ways of running it. Um, the cost per state is also about who's living there, right? So mm -hmm. you will see things like in New York, the premiums are very, very high. Um, and they're very high because there's a lot of people being covered. There's a lot of folks who um, are a little bit older who are in that. And because they do not separate by age, right? So the way their right. philosophy is, is they charge everybody kind of the same, which makes for a 21-year-old, it would be a very expensive program. Right. Yeah. But for a uh, you know, 62-year-old, you know, a little bit more reasonable, right? So that can be very expensive, but it's it's very good coverage. Um, so you, you do have to get to know which states you're in and what the policies are for all of them. Some of them um, can have a lot of very helpful means testing that can get folks in um, and have different prices uh, for depending on what your income is, which can be different than what your assets are for <laughs> retirees. That, right. you know, something you can actually pull triggers on. So knowing that right. information and maybe looking like where you want to land can help with that. Um, each of the programs usually have tiers, right? You know, basically your gold, silver, platinum, um, and you'll get more for one versus the other. Uh, but there are pretty good. There are a lot of benefits that you can get from largely managed programs, which means, you know, the insurers 
have to listen to if you make a claim because it's getting to a person. You know, if you're doing some of the smaller um, one-off kind of I'm buying it from my insurance provider, you don't really have those catch-alls to help be your advocate. Um, so sometimes those can be tougher if you do run into problems in the plan. They can be cheaper generally, um, but you're going to fall into just that much larger wholly insured group that doesn't have some of that advocacy. So the basic options are private insurance or buy it on the healthcare exchange? Oh, yeah, it would be the, the private plans or the um, exchanges. And when they're looking at your income, since it's an income-based program in the ACA, right? Um, is it prior tax year? Is it an average of the past three or is it is the look back I believe period? it's prior tax years, but okay. I, you know, I'm not an expert on that. So you'll have to check on yeah. each of the um, sure. each of the levels for the states. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting. I didn't know that about that. Every state uh, administers the program differently with respect to age. Um, do, you, do you happen to know some of the more favorable ones? Do you know? Are you familiar with any of those? Um, I, I want to say the, the lowest one I heard was Montana, but you got to live in Montana, you know, <laughs> yeah. so, um, beautiful state. But, but it's a beautiful state. Yeah. But it's, you know, they all have different, some of them do do age branding. So okay. you will get priced based on your age. I just happen to know that New York does not. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. And, and the residency is like more than six months out of the year kind of thing, right? Is that what? You know, I think that that depends on utilization, right? So if you are in a state and that's where you see your doctors, et cetera, but you travel a lot, I think they'll still let you uh, enroll into that state. Oh, interesting. Mm. No, now, I, I think some, you have to sorry. prove some of that, but you, sure. know, you have yeah, to yeah. check with each state. No, cool. The, the natural thought I have based on what you guys were just discussing respective to different states and, and age stratification or not, it sounds to me like that means in in those cases where it's not, uh, you know, sort of different by age, private insurance could potentially be uh, a lower cost option. Is that a true statement or is that just, I mean, I, don't, I know you won't know for yeah. every state, but I was just, I've thought about this idea of when does private insurance potentially make sense? And that could be one, is that right? So I would say, as opposed to that, I would say it's much more if you're traveling a lot, right? So okay. if you're going to a places where you're yeah. not, in network a lot, so you're not going to get those benefits. Um, maybe you're overseas and you need coordination a little bit more for that. Um, I would say that would be much more. Or if you're like me and I maybe I want to go to a hospital in New York, or then I want to go to a hospital in you know uh, California, that might be better for for me in a private insurance than a state would handle it. A state should have coverage for you when you're in state and when you're out of state, but it probably will be out of state premiums and costs. So I see the overall and, you know, and this is getting a little bit, you know, uh, probably too in the details. But if I know that's how I use medical, I would rather pay for that in a premium because then I can get the um, the tax uh, benefit from that as opposed to paying it out of pocket. So because that's always after tax dollars. So, right. Oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth considering how you might use your health insurance, right? And and how right. what what your living situation might be like, how much you're going to travel in state, out of state, out of country. All of those things factor into the overall cost of your insurance. And that cost is made up of your premiums that you pay no matter what, typically on a monthly basis, but then also your out-of-pocket costs, your deductibles, the co-insurance, all of those things that we're not going to deep dive into. But it sounds to me like you really have to look at it kind of holistically to consider the true cost and maybe what the best options are. Is that accurate? 
100%. You do have to break it down. And that as you break down those parts and you find out which ones matter to you the most, you can look into it and see, okay, what's the what's the premium or the up pay am I paying for this? Is that worth it for me? Or can I say, all right, I'm going to have to pay more out of pocket if I decide to go. And I, I always use the example of pink eye, right? So pink eye is not going to kill you. You don't have an emergency. But if you're in Greece and you have pink eye, you want to see a doctor, right? So if I just want, if I just, I'll have enough cash, I'll pay for the doctor to go and take care of that. Um, that I don't have to buy a program that would have a coordination that could handle yeah. it. You can get some of these passport right. programs that will cover you wherever you are. But if if I know I travel enough and I get pink eye enough, I don't want to deal with that, then I would buy up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Or just travel with that little sticky gel they give you. I really think of that, that with my kids, that stuff to just butter on their eyes, you know? That's it. That's it. It's those, it's those little, you know, the big things are usually pretty covered. It's those little ones that are going to take all the fun out of that travel for that's you. That's right. It's smart. You know? Yeah, that because it always happens, man. Yeah. <laughs> what should I be expecting, like, for premiums? Like, let's just just roughly like yeah. i mean i'm not used to buying healthcare on the exchange i'm used to it just being provided by my wife's you know employer and i think a lot of people yeah. are like that you have very little visibility yeah. into what that is like what should i be expecting for i don't know silver is silver what, what i should be looking at i know it's a personal decision but like let's just say it's like a, a silver plan yeah. like in the middle range and it's me and my wife like what what should i be expecting so silver, it's like a middle range, so no huge surprises, but you know you do have to pay the out of pockets for things like that. For without children, uh, it's usually about fifteen hundred a month. Um, okay. Now I myself would probably get the the premium because I like again I, I like to uh, pick my doctor, so I would probably prepare for myself, my husband, and my two kids about three thousand a month. Oh wow! So okay. it does double a bit. Um, so you're so, now, when you yeah. say premium, do you mean like the gold level plan, like you're stepping up, or yeah. you mean yeah. okay? Well, but that's mostly because of family. So if I have okay. family and I have gold level, that will be about three thousand a month. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. I can so give some I, actuals if that would help. Oh, I mean, I know sure. it's it's state by state, and so I. I actually presently have Cobra, and we're going to talk about Cobra soon, but I have priced mm -hmm. out the comparable ACA plans that I would be moving to when that Cobra coverage ends. Based on uh, what income, though? I actually am presently only modeling worst case, which is fully is non-subsidized. Okay. Right. I got so this you. is a non-subsidized okay. answer. Okay, and, cool. But it'll be similar to what Amy just said. Okay. So silver metal tier for two adults and uh, a child um, – is about $1,600 a month for my premium. I can tell you that where I live in the state matters. When I used to live farther north, it was another $300 a month oh. just based on where I live in the same state. The cost oh. of health care differs different parts of the state, right? Dangerous up there. Or yeah. expensive. Yeah, yeah. Right. I did look at that when I was considering where to live. Not something we talked about in that show, but yeah, it thanks. is another thing to consider. <laughs> Anyhow, um, but uh, my total out-of-pocket cost uh, or a maximum out-of-pocket cost in addition to that premium is about seven thousand dollars. So that's your that, that's your maximum out-of-pocket for the year. Yes. So that's my deductible, deductible plus the cost of coinsurance. Yeah. My maximum out-of-pocket. And this one of the reasons, or the primary reason, I should say, that I elected a Cobra plan as opposed to a comparable plan on the exchange is my deductible on my com my former company's plan is lower. So. Yep. 
my total my out of pocket cost my total out of pocket cost could be higher if I fully utilize that benefit on the ACA plan as opposed to my COBRA plan. And the the big thing about deductibles, which uh, as opposed to out of pocket, that's how much money you pay before your plan starts to pick anything up, right? Right. right. Okay. And so the deductible can be only medical visits or medical visits and prescription. So if you can get your prescription in there, that's yeah. the way to go with your deductible because you'll hit that much faster. Okay. Yep. So and, that's right. And this is irrespective of which level plan you choose. You need to choose like the deductible is a separate discussion. So when you look <laughs> at plans, the the big things are gonna be your premium, right? So what you pay per month. Yep. Your out-of-pocket costs, that will include your deductible and any co-payments. Usually that's either a flat dollar amount or the percentage, you know, like maybe 20% of whatever you pay. So that's out-of-pocket costs. And then the third one is access. So whether it's network or it's, uh, you know, PPO or, or all those different alphabet soups, who you get to go see. Those are basically the three things. Now, you know, in the old days, what they used to do is your premiums would seem fine, your out-of-pocket would be seem fine, but they would put things in like a lifetime maximum that right. would shut off the whole plan as soon as you hit a million dollars. Well, you can't even break a leg without hitting a million dollars these days. So those plans are basically garbage. They were selling you, you were paying premiums to something that's never going to really protect you and your family. Thank goodness those are gone um, so you can really only have to focus on those three different aspects. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How do I go ahead? Like, I'll remember it. How do I choose like, you know, car insurance? They're like, you want a $5,000 deductible or you want the yep. $1,000 deductible? Like, do I have that option? You do 100%. Oh, okay. And there are things called HSA accounts. So I happen to love them. I think they are great vehicles for saving, especially for people uh, who are trying to get out of the workforce early because you can contribute to them as long as you have an eligible plan yeah. while you're still working. And as long as you don't touch that money and let it grow, you can use it for the rest of your life. You can use it to pay your uh, Medicare premiums. So yeah. I think they're wonderful. You do have to have what they call a high deductible plan for that. You can't have something that you only, you know, I think want to say it's 3000 at least uh, to count as a high deductible plan. I, okay. I haven't checked for this year, yeah. um, but you do have to have a pretty big hole there before you can start participating in one of those. I think they're worth it. I think it's a great way for you to really get a feel for what medical things cost, um, yes. as well as being a nice tax advantage way to save for your retirement. So sure. yeah. I'm a big fan of those. So if you like those, then you would choose a plan that has a high deductible so you could continue to contribute to it while you're not working um, and then save it for, you know, a later point. But, you know, it depends on where you are. And if, if you're using that money each year to, to pay off your medical plans, go with a lower deductible because then at least you get the the uh, tax break on the premium. Sure. Okay. Well, it makes sense for me. Uh, you know, as a business owner, my wife is working and we have health insurance through her employer and it's not, we don't qualify for an HSA, but when we reach FI, then we have yep. the option to purchase health health insurance through my business, I presume. And I want to talk about that a little bit, but um, uh, then the HSA, I guess, becomes an option if I meet the high deductible threshold and that makes sense for us. 
right if you do both of those. But again, then you have less time that the money is in there working for you. So younger you get in it, better it is. But yeah, sure. you do have to have that eligible plan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. And for me, both the Cobra plan I'm on is a uh, and the uh, uh, comparable ACA plans that I am considering are at the silver medal tier are both plans that qualify. They're they're both high deductible plans. Okay. So I right. do contribute the max to my HSA every year. Jerk. Good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, a triple tax is, advantage, man. <laughs> yeah. Get 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 an employer to to do it with you. That's the only thing that's better. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Oh man. Hey, you know, it's all it's all things, right? Your your wife also has a, a, an employer that contributes very actively to her retirement. So oh, that's, yeah, that's no. a benefit too. No, and I I think there's some people who will look at it and say, oh, I'll I'll go. I I want the high deductible healthcare plan just to, for the HSA while giving up a bigger benefit yes. elsewhere. And I think that's it's just worth talking about. So yeah, I want an HSA. Uh, it's some point in the future, but it's probably doesn't make a lot of sense now. Um, yeah. And you have to be prepared to understand medical costs. There are people have a (laughs) huge fear of medical costs because frankly, the systems are archaic. The billing systems don't work well. It's not, it's not clean at all. So it is a, it's a a pain to keep track of. And you do have to do that with HSAs. (laughs) Yeah. And it just makes me wonder why you do the job you do. Holy smokes, this is so complicated. <laughs> and and oh, it's, it's the best job in the world. I'm not going to lie. It really is. It is the best job in the world. And it's not like it stays the same. That's the thing that, about this. Like no. if we're talking about premiums, like one of my questions was, you know, I used to work for a small architecture firm. So we had six people that were working for us and they had a health insurance plan. And some years the health insurance plan would like the premiums would go up by like 25%. What, what could we expect oh, wow. here? Like, yeah. Is that so that okay? I will tell you right there. That's the problem with not having a um, a large managed group, right? Because you just have to do what the insurance carriers say. Yeah. And the insurance carriers will always pull out numbers and say it's going to be fourteen percent, or it's you know, and folks in my space go back and say it's going to be six <laughs> percent. Okay. And they do because if they if we get it wrong, I'm on the hook. I have to come up with the extra cash that I didn't budget. I'm never wrong, but if I were, <laughs> you know. But that's that's people who live and breathe with the people who are on the plan, and they understand how you utilize the care. They understand the places you're going. They can get much better numbers and get just feel better about what that percentage is yes. than someone who's dealing with a large insured group of very diverse people who access care in a lot of different ways. And that's where they come up with those big numbers, right? Yeah. So that's why sometimes just being a part of a, a conglomerate, even if it's just the AARP program, for folks that you know have advocates who are watching these plans, who know how you access, who who advocate for how you should be able to access can make a huge difference in your bottom line and your premium increases. Yeah, that's great that advice. It, it's it's also, it raises for me like, and I'm sorry if these are real basic questions, but like when you say the AARP plan, that's, is that a managed private group, like private insurance? That's not bought on the exchange or is that like- yeah. your- Okay. That's a um, so that is what we have con. We haven't talked about these at all. So Medicare, right? So when you turn 65, you're going to get A and B, right? We've covered that. <laughs> then you get to um, choose what's called a Medicare plus plan. And that's where you'll see it's not the exchanges anymore. It's oh. what the exchanges are kind of trying to be, right? Okay. Um, it's it's you can choose it. You can have an, your employer can sponsor one. They have private ones. AARP one's a great one that's very popular. And they pick up all the things that uh, Medicare doesn't. So like uh, gym membership. 
membership and rides to your doctors and all the things that matter, but the premiums are much, much lower than any kind of insurance you're going to get because the government's picking up the majority of the doctor's visit and the um, hospital cost. I see. Okay. So that's, that's for 65 plus. 65 plus. Okay. And you know, guys, I know we, we talk about this and it feels very real that the 16 or 17 years that you've got till you're 65 are the biggest chunk of this, but it's not. <laughs> uh -huh. After 65 is the majority of your retirement. And that's really when life changes for you, right? Because sure. now you're part of a community who is not it's they're they're not really tied into what the workforce is doing at all they really don't need nor care what the workforce is doing at all and that's a huge change not just in how you approach your programs and how you spend but how you feel connected to your community around you and that can be a real um a real trouble time for folks if they don't approach it right and kind of the right mindset and set themselves up. So they still have very active lives and are very um, interested in what's going on around them. Yeah, no, it's great exactly. perspective. Yeah, it seems like that's forever away, but. <laughs> it's yeah, but a blank of an eye, blank of an eye. <laughs> oh man. I mean, when I left my job, I elected a continuance of the same health care coverage I had under a program called COBRA. Could you explain what that is and, and what it's meant to do? Sure. And don't, you know, COBRA is an acronym for a word we've all long forgotten. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was put into place really for um, people to keep coverage and consistency. Because remember, before ACA, there was nothing to uh, insist that insurers had to cover you, especially if you had a pre-existing condition. Mm -hmm. Right. So COBRA was put in really for folks who didn't have any other way to keep coverage. Um, and so it is, by definition, allowed to be charged 102% of the premium that your company pays for you. So that's the portion the company pays for, the portion that you used to pay for, plus a 2% administration fee. And that's what you'll get. It's for a certain finite period of time, depending on your circumstances. Um, and if you don't pay those premiums, they can stop you and then you're out. They don't need to cover you again. So um, it is something that you've always gotten when you change jobs. You probably just threw away the package if you didn't need it. You're going <laughs> to another employer. Um, it can be a very expensive option if you have um, a top level program at your employer. Uh, but it can be an absolute lifesaver if you have continuous care and, and you really need that. And is and you have to continue the same level coverage. Is that true? You have to be, number one, enrolled in your company's program. So if you're not enrolled, you won't get an option to enroll at that stage. Yeah. Um, but if, you, if you're going and you're, you're changing circumstances, so if you're moving states, you can change programs. You can, so it's the same kind of life events that you had when okay. you were an active colleague. Um, but you have to have that life event, but you'll have the same annual enrollment period that you would have if you were an active colleague through Cobra. Okay. So Jason, right. you, you went from the gold level down to the silver. No, actually, let me explain what I did because I was going to be leaving the workplace and not moving right away. I knew that I would not be eligible for a change, or at least I've been led to believe it would be eligible for a metal tier change. So okay. what I did is I went on a silver metal plan a year in advance of my planned exit date so that yep. I could make sure that I understood what it was like to use care at that level. You're such a planner. 
I try to be, right? Measure twice, cut once. You're the best. No, I'm not. Can you I just figure this out for me? Because this is just way too complex. <laughs> just like, it's uh, pretty awful. Oh, man. So can I ask you, uh, Amy, about um, someone who is a business owner, a small business owner? Um, it's just me. Uh, potentially my wife and kids, you know, could they be covered under my plan? Like my wife leaves her job. We have no health insurance. I would shop for it on the ACA, find a plan that worked for us and our family. And is that, are all those expenses deductible through, through my business? Do you know? You know, I, I will give you my tax lecture as I am not a tax, okay. can't provide tax advice. So I can't, I can't answer that. But, um, but I would say that that's two different things, right? You looking for your family on ACA is different than you looking as an employer to put it in for you as a covered employee. And those probably have very different tax treatments. Yeah. So yeah. I, I would, you know, on different premiums, et cetera. But, you know, uh, as an individual, you know, you might have groups of folks, similar business folks who have insurance like you do that you can get in on that program mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to be an individual employer um, purchasing. But uh, I but yeah, the, I would expect that those are two different things and have different tax treatments. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. You always hear about kind of long-term care insurance. And as I project out in the future, like yeah. you know, the, the longer I wait, the higher those premiums are. What's your, do you have any general kind of advice as to when to pick it up or what to do about it? Yeah, don't buy it. Don't buy it? <laughs> um, don't buy it. Um, Long-term care in the States, several providers have become insolvent and several uh -huh. do not know what they will be doing because the programs that they sold, there is the experience is too high, right? So these are not programs what we what you think of as a long-term care program you really can't even buy in the states anymore because there's a no. general consensus that that these these don't work now you could have bought one i had one when i was 23 i think i paid like at 65 a month of course i stopped paying it when i was 24 but uh <laughs> you know theoretically i could have kept that going and would have still had it my advice is it's it's you know just think of it like a um like a like a triangle if you're going in now great you're probably going to get it all covered if you're at the bottom of that triangle that money's probably gone by the time you need it. So um, keep that in mind if you have, if you're paying premiums, find out who your providers are. They've been sold a lot. Uh, so who you're paying it to may not be who you bought it from. Find out who they are. Mm. And, you know, if you're paying loan premiums, think of it more of as a lottery ticket. If it's there, great. If it's not there, you got to have an alternative plan. So mm. that would be my answer on straight long-term care. There are different life insurance products out there. They're hybrid products. There, there are a lot of new types of life insurance, whether they're new or not, you know, uh, different thing, products you can buy that have kind of early withdrawal options. And those start to pay for what is considered custodial care. That's the big key difference, yeah, right? Okay. When you need the medical coverage, the Medicare will cover that. Okay, You're fine. Right. Yeah. It's the custodial care, right? So someone to help you right. get out of bed or get dressed or get your dinner, right? That's what I was thinking of. Look yeah. into some of those life insurance programs because those can be whole life. So your estate's going to get it back at some point or you can use it for this need and that will, uh, it has a kind of an annuitized portion that will go forward. Those are, those can be very um, interesting and, and that depends not so much on your life expectancy because again, it's a whole life policy. You're going to get it back at some point, but on how much you're trying to cover. So 
Got it. That, that's what I would look into. But the general long term, I don't even think you'd find someone to sell it for you at hmm. this stage. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, thank you for illuminating that to me. It's one yeah. less thing I have to worry about, I guess. One less thing you have to worry about, yeah. <laughs> and if you have loved ones who have policies, maybe pull them out and take a look at them and see where they're at. I mean, There's we... been plenty of folks who will have already come out and said, stop paying us. We're, we're never going to honor this. So, wow. Oh, I mean, it, it's just my wife um, just went through this with her family and looking at, you know, some of her elderly family members dealing with custodial care in the house. And we were looking at each other going, how does that ever get paid for? I mean, unless your estate is so robust that I don't know. It just you know, seems the estate planners will give you like this. There's a happy medium, right? There's a place where you have your your estate is large enough, right? You're really self insuring that stuff, so you don't sure. you don't necessarily have to worry about it. Yeah. So you get a you can have a, a premium amount, and if you want to put that in the whole insurance, is those types of things. Folks who don't have much of a state, you don't have to worry about either. State will take care of it because once yeah. all of your assets are gone, they will pick up the custodial. It's those in-between right. folks that have to have some kind of strategy. And that's where it very much depends what state you live in. Because um, even if you were to, say, create a trust, a irrevocable trust, so you give them, get all your money to your kids while you're alive, you don't want anything to do with it. They might have, you have to do that five years before right, you right. go into any kind of care. So that gets very tricky for that middle space. Um, but generally the folks, and I would think if, if, if I was, you know, trying to retire early as I'm going to be one of the five guys, I'm going to figure out what my self-insured number is. And I'm going to add that into my number okay. and always know that that portion is there. Um, it, it's, it's there. The costs haven't gone up that much more for the custodial than you know, like medical, it doesn't keep up with the medical and the medical of course is still covered under the Medicare. So. Yeah. Right. Jay, do you, ha how do you have that budgeted man? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't do you? <laughs> no, it's something, it's something that I've talked about with Back my to work for you. <laughs> with my financial advisors. They've said much the same as Amy. They, they've also said that there, there's a plenty of churn in that space right now. Not really clear that there are going to be great options, but even the great options didn't really make sense to start thinking about until you were 50 uh, or so, or is that what they have found the sweet spot to buy into that. So no decision to take now. Anyhow, let's see where things go. But basically self self coverage is their self insured to Amy's point is largely the way they think about yeah. it. I mean, what? Once you reach financial independence, well, I, ne I never really think about life insurance as being a useful product. Is, is that, am I looking at that wrong? You know, it depends on who you talk to. I think that it has its place, especially if you're trying to do it for tax purposes for heirs. Um, because you know, they're, they're guaranteed payouts. Once you get to a whole life, you, you, somebody's going to collect that money at some point. Uh -huh. Um, and if you're trying to, you know, either get it out of an estate for a certain size because you're trying to hit a tax qualification or you don't want that kind of conversation between the family, they can be useful. Okay. Um, I am not close enough or an expert enough to understand the clauses in all of them. They are extremely yeah. complicated documents. Um, and luckily enough, um, I would say my estate isn't big enough for me to really worry about it just yet, yeah. but I endeavor for it to be my problem. Yeah. <laughs> Ditto. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the options that has become popular among particularly lean fire advocates, right? People who are really looking to minimize their, their expenses, particularly when they're not earning anymore, um, is a concept that's not 
truly insurance as typically defined, but are these healthcare sharing exchanges or more commonly health sharing ministries. Hmm. And you can find a lot of information uh, out there about these. Many of them are faith-based. There are several options that are not, but it, it has kind of a communal element of paying into a system and then it being redistributed out. But they don't generally don't cover pre-existing conditions and not necessarily guaranteed levels of payout for various indications. So there is certainly some risk associated with them. But again, they are somewhat popular, particularly among younger people whose, generally speaking, their healthcare burden, healthcare cost burden is a lot lower. So yeah. huh. the only thing I would say on it is I didn't view it as a viable option for my family based on our current healthcare needs and just my sort of risk tolerance levels, but it may be something that's interesting to you. So I would say look into those, but just be aware of what you're getting into and what insurance is and isn't. And, and this isn't an insurance policy. It is another type of vehicle that could apply. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think that's super important, Jason, that you said it's not an insurance policy because that does not sound like it has any of the safeguards that we would have to manage in when you really create a medical plan. Um, it sounds like it's some kind of reimbursement program of some sort. <laughs> so I think I would try to dig into the details of that because, um, you know, there's a lot of protections built in for, you know, if somebody gets into a car accident and, uh, you get an astronomical price from the surgeon that's on duty because he was a specialist. Uh, you know, you have protections in most medical plans for that. Doesn't sound like those might be there. So I would definitely check yeah. to see what type of vehicle that is. So, Amy, many people who might be listening to this are interested in doing either you know, longer term travel outside of the US or frequent travel outside of the US. I'm not talking about relocation where in-country medical plans mm. may apply. I'm talking about people whose primary residence still remains in the US, but they're frequently outside of the US. Uh, how do you need to consider that and what options might apply to someone considering health insurance options? So I would say first that the um, ex-US community is much better at this than we are. They have great <laughs> insurance products for travelers. Okay. You know, they will um, they they will cover them whatever country they go to, whatever they're into, um, and they really are something that people get routinely. Anytime they book a trip, they'll buy their insurance product or they'll buy it for the year. Um, so there's a lot of great products out there for ex-US. For U.S., we're just kind of catching up, right? You will see that some some providers, uh, when you're booking a trip or something, will offer you some kind of travel insurance, and that can have a little bit of health coverage in it, but it doesn't usually have, as I've used before, the pink eye example. It doesn't right. have something that will get you to, you know, get some care where you're at um, without having a, a really kind of crazy paperwork trail. So the key is to understand where you're going. If you're going to places where it's really nationalized coverage, they will most likely not turn you away. If you need right. any kind of just general medical care, they will take That's care of you and you'll manage it. Mine too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is lovely, right? Um, but if you're traveling someplace where they don't have a reliable care, um, so, uh, and, or you need to be able to get into kind of private practices for things like that. That's when you want to talk to like your local car insurance. Do they have something like a, a passport program that will, um, you can pay for so many weeks for a year and that will usually pick up for you. There okay. are lots of places in the world where you have to pay before you even see a doctor, right? Uh -huh. So it's kind of like an entrance fee. So some of those programs right. 
put that money down for you and then you'll figure out what you're going to owe on it afterwards. Mm. Um, so, so those can be helpful. Oof, yeah. scary. <laughs> I mean, we, we had a long-term, uh, well, a week and a half hospital stay in Italy, uh, many years ago that was completely, you know, they have, um, you know, government healthcare there, but it was not without a lot of shouting <laughs> to try and negotiate the price. It was pretty strange, I have to say, because we still had coverage back in the US, but they um, they weren't accepting it. And oh my God. Yeah. So it's it, it, lots of coordination. And wow. these days it's, it's really no joke because the hospitals are full and they're concerned. Yeah. And so you, you really do need to know as much as you can what you're talking about before you, you try to enter those systems. Yeah. And I, it makes me think, um, you know, we had travel insurance and I know travel insurance is different, but, um, we had travel insurance for a, a trip that we booked for my son, um, pre COVID and COVID hit. And they're like, well, that's, I mean, that's an exclusion. So it's like, yeah. there's all these, Soon as they said, the word pandemic exclusions done. hit with <laughs> yeah. travel insurance, medical insurance, life insurance yeah. all over the world. Yeah. So we had to go out and contract with everything. Oh, you wow. did? Wow. Just to make sure of coverage. Oh, yeah. Gosh. It was pretty, pretty <laughs> universal. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. Uh, yeah. It was pretty scary times, but uh, yeah. it's, listen, whatever you got to do. Um, so it's a tough time to travel right now, but if you're brave <laughs> enough to book a trip, do look into that insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah. Cool. Well, one mean, thought that comes to mind for me in terms of guidance is, you know, with healthcare, like many things, it's really important to be your own advocate. Uh, and and just keep an eye out. You know, for example, uh, when you are on any kind of health insurance, there's always some negotiated rate for procedures, and you'll see that reflected on your bill. But make sure that what's being billed is correct. I, I will freely admit I was not someone that scoured the you know statements that I got historically, but I've got more time on my hands now, and I'm paying everything out of pocket until I hit my deductible. So you better believe I look at those, and I've actually found a couple of errors. And yeah. the doctor's offices or the clinics were always willing to reevaluate and often take things off my bills that were not correct. So, you know, I don't mean to say it's sort of an opportunity for nickel and diming, but make sure that this expense that you're incurring is valid and be your own advocate. And also there's, I mean, there are places now where you can go, if you're getting a routine test done, for example, you know, don't just accept the, okay, you're going here. I mean, you can get yes. the test done at a variety of places, depending on where you live. Um, and it's probably going to have quite a different set of costs. And I know there are resources where you can go to check the costs of these kinds of procedures, but all of it, like you said, Jay, is about being your own advocate and asking the questions. Like, because I think transitioning from working for somebody else and being on an employer healthcare plan where you just feel free to kind of feed at the trough of healthcare options. Um, when you make that transition to paying for it yourself, you really, it's very hard to kind of reprogram yourself and think about, you know, okay, yes. well, what does this actually cost? Um, and because you, you are going to be paying for it in a much different way. Yeah, that's an and excellent I, point, Amy. I love the idea of Jason saying that you tried it for a year ahead of time, you know, like just train yourself as though you look at those, that paperwork for the year ahead of time, your employer will thank you and you'll get an idea of what it all is is and how complicated it can be. Yeah. Yeah. No, so that's, that's great. What, what questions aren't we asking? Because yes. I feel like there's, <laughs> there's a lot of, I mean, you have visibility into this space, like none of us. And, um, sometimes I just don't know what to ask. So is there anything that we've missed? Where, where are our blind spots? 
So I think the biggest thing that you haven't talked about is uh, drug coverage, um, and that's really the Medicare D program. And there we can go into do a whole show about the donut hole and and what that <laughs> means. And um, that's generally just a it's it's a period of time of which the D isn't picking up your prescription costs yet. Right. Um, but um, but the um, the the truth about healthcare is. Once you get into the stream of it, it's going to be much less scary and it's going to be much less complicated than anything else that you have to do in FI, right? You don't have to necessarily, you have to worry about increases, but it's not like the market going up and down and, you know, whether, <laughs> you know, this return or that company, you know, it's it's really not something that's going to be that overwhelming once you understand who you are, how you like to access, and you get the providers that you like. Um, right. It's it, it will become much more secondhand. So is prescription drug coverage included on the, the healthcare exchange? Like, is that a separate like rider or how, how does that work? Because it's going to so be- it depends on the plans, right? And we, we, we okay. talked a little bit about that deductible, whether it has the pharmacy included or it doesn't is, oh, okay. a, is a big difference, right? Sure. Um, now I believe in the high health, on the, um, the HSA ones, the, the, it really does need to be that higher amount um, before the health, before the pharmacy kicks in. Oh, so okay. it's usually a pretty big hole for you not to be, you know, if you have to wait for that to be like three or 6,000. And so you're not, you're paying full price for your prescriptions. That's painful yeah. um, because your prescriptions could be $150 every time you go and pick something up. Um, so you do have to be prepared for that. Okay. Uh, yes. We love to say um, that right now you spend 90% of your medical costs on doctors and hospitals and 10% on prescription. We would love it to be, you know, the other way around because that means you're not in hospitals or seeing the doctor, right? But that prescription cost can feel much worse than the others because you're paying it on your everyday life. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, and this this is such a great point, Amy. Something I would add to that that I found valuable when I was doing my research about my options is you know, just assess what your current prescriptions are, if you have any in your family, anybody you'd be covering. Often there are tools available where you can model what the cost will be for that prescription under a given level of coverage. Also important, their formularies, which are the lists of drugs that are covered. And sometimes there's different do, you know, sections of the formula in terms of total coverage or 70%, et cetera. You'll want to look at those, especially if you have particular needs. You know, some of these, some classes of drugs like, you know, anti-immunosuppressives or, you know, immunosuppressives, things like that, those are much higher cost. And so if you had a specialized need like that, you'd want to know going in what that degree of coverage is going to be and what that's going to translate to in terms of dollars. Is there beer and wine coverage in there, Jay? There is not, but they're really, I'm self-insured when it comes to beer okay, and wine. Okay, you got that covered? <laughs> I, I do. No one would underwrite him. <laughs> no, no, they wouldn't. Right. They wouldn't. But I, I would say, though, that um, your shop around comment is very important with pharmacy. There are different prices, especially if you're paying out of pocket for mm -hmm. different things, um, depending on where you're getting it, who's providing it, right? They always say Costco's a great one to get things from, um, but it can be very uh, cost-effective to call the different pharmacies to ask how much they're charging for the same prescription. Yes, yeah, and to Eric's point, I think there are also some tools for that uh, mm -hmm. where that'll actually compare the prices between pharmacies for the same drugs. You know, when you um, sign on for, you know, benefits at, at your employer, you're often electing not only 
medical insurance, but dental, sometimes supplementary vision. How do you deal with those when after you've left the workplace? Are there comparable programs? Is it different pre-Medicare versus post-Medicare? What types of things should people be thinking about? Yeah, Medicare does tend to pop those in uh, a bit more. Uh, the general post-employment, uh, ACA does not cover dental. Um, I think there are some, um, you know, eye care coverage in that. Generally, with eye care coverage, even the, the programs that you're getting with your um, employer, uh, that coverage can be very comparable with what you can get to some of the big boxes, right? So yes. unless you have very specific um, needs for uh, technical glasses, uh, it can be just as cost effective to go to Costco. I know that's where I get my glasses. Um, yeah, yeah, my family because, too. Yeah, uh, because, they could, because they have that pricing power. Um, but there, there's not really a lot of options out there to buy individual, uh, you know, vision service care or something like that. Yeah. Um, when it comes to um, the, the dental programs, those are usually pretty typical, just uh, cash out of pocket limits for each year. And your premiums are pretty much paying for that. So you're just, you know, if you start saving for the, for the amount, you, you'd be uh, as, as generally covered. Um, though, you know, goodness knows that dentistry these days is quite advanced, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Now, I right. am someone no one has dentures has un- anymore. Everybody's got an implant. So. Oh, yes. right. I know it. I am someone who, unfortunately, has had to leverage the uh, dental medicine system very frequently in my lifetime. I am one of those fortunate souls. But I can tell you that in doing my own research about what my options were in yeah. early retirement, an insurance policy didn't make sense financially for me. What I found is that dentist offices will often have their own discount plans yeah. where you can prepay a certain amount and then your all your preventative care is included and procedures are discounted and it's just another modeling exercise folks so depending upon what you're you know if you never get a cavity you're probably not going to want to prepay anything when it comes to dental just get those checkups right and keep it that way but if you're someone that does you know know what your dental history looks like and you have you know a cavity a year or you need a root canal every five years just kind of take a look at what options are out there you know get the best care you can of course but I found that there are some good options that I would never have considered because I was used to having the company dental insurance in the past. I mean, the cost of, we've, we've have done dental insurance in the past. I think we still have it actually. And we've been heavy, heavy utilizers of it, you know, with my kids and my wife and, um, man, it was a pretty close call between it being, yeah. you know, it was like just barely made sense financially. So I don't know. I don't know if there's, maybe we were just looking in the wrong place, but a lot of research do. Yeah. It's, it's, and you know, it's all about how, uh, how you want to approach your finances in retirement. If you're somebody that likes the idea of building in very large cushions everywhere and your guardrails are pretty far out from likely the mean experience, well, then maybe you don't have to consider it quite as tightly when you start talking about those ancillary services like, you know, dental and eye care and things of that nature. But, you know, if you're somebody that's going to operate in a pretty lean manner, well, you don't want surprises. So you want to have these things be considered as part of your planning process, I guess, is the way I think about it. <laughs> well, thank you for contributing to um, the knowledge out there around this very complicated subject. Yeah, thank you so much, Amy. Really appreciate it. And let me know if you guys have any questions that come in. I'm happy to get you answers. Okay, awesome. Will do. All right, thanks so Take much. Care. Join us as the conversation continues next time on Two Sides of Phi. 
If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating it at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For show notes, resources, and links to the video version, please check out our website at twosidesoffi.com. Thank you.